What's happening, troops? Welcome back to A Little House in the Prairies podcast. Uh, today we have episode four, um, and we're joined by a very special guest, uh, DJ and producer at Winnipeg, Manitoba. We have JNL. How's it going, John? It is going great. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, it's my pleasure, man. Um, I'm a big fan of the work that you do, and I've been following you for a little while now, and the music that you make is absolutely phenomenal. So it was one of those ones that I just had to keep chasing to get you on here. Nice. Yeah, it took a little while, but we got it going here. So Yeah, definitely. And it's going to be a good one too. I'm, I'm confident in that. I hope you're ready to get deep into it. I'm always ready. So I just want to kind of kick things off here and talk to you a little bit about how you got involved in dance music and uh, how you started off DJing and what it was that kind of got you into the scene. Uh, you want the short story, the long story? We'll go for the long story. We've got lots of time here. Um, well, we'll see. The story, uh, it's a medium story. So I feel like I, I don't know, I was kind of lost musically my whole life. I think I listened to what my sister was listening to at the time. I didn't really have my own like choices, my own preference in music until all of a sudden uh, I'm going to give credit to Chris Shepard. Do you remember Chris Shepard, Pirate Radio? Um, Maybe not. Yeah, I think I don't think uh, I was I was maybe not in Canada. at that. No, right, right, right. Um, He had like he had he was on a main like it was. A syndicated show i guess on mainstream radio and uh he would play he'd have like a slot at i don't know 10 11 12 or something on maybe fridays i can't remember and he'd play a bunch of house music and dance music and uh i don't remember when i you know started listening to it everything's a blur until like a couple of disco house tracks dropped and then i really remember like him playing uh Daft Punk when they started putting out when they put out homework and I was like what the hell is this it just ignited a fire and then subsequently like uh, Guy Manuel and Thomas Bangalter uh, you know put out their own tracks on their own record labels and he played a bunch of those too and it's just like I was totally hooked and and had to learn like how the music was made. I didn't understand. And I wanted, I wanted to make that music. That's what I knew. I wanted to make that music and uh, DJing. I knew it was part of it. So I discovered that, you know, Oh, there's this underground scene and DJs and raves and all this culture. So I really got into everything just as part of the path to get to making music. Cause I wanted to make that music. And that was back in the nineties. Correct. Yeah, that would have been like 95 or 96. Yeah, and it's crazy because, I mean, I think for ev- for just about everyone who's been involved in dance music, to a certain degree, Daft Punk have been really big influences. And, I mean, the things that they've done on a global scale has been phenomenal, and it's spanned decades now. And it, it's quite sad to see in the last few weeks here that they finally announced that they were, they were hanging up the helmets and that was going to be it for them. But... I think especially starting from when you're talking about and all the way through, there's been generations that they've influenced. I know even for myself when uh, when they brought out 
uh, the project that had the all the anime music videos related to it as well. That was that was something that drew drew a lot of people in. Yeah, uh, for sure. And myself especially, I thought that was so cool when they done that. It was so creative and out of the box, and they really kind of overemphasized electronic music with the crazy helmets and the and the kind of sounds that they were making at the time. Um, sure. So you kind of started with the the DJ and uh, <laughs> with the ultimate goal of making that kind of music. Definitely. And how did you find it when you first got into the scene? Uh, in terms of the music that was being played at that time, because here in the prairies and across Canada to a certain degree, uh, dance music, electronic music, isn't as uh, isn't as popular and isn't as abundant as it maybe should be. And when you do hear of a lot of electronic music, a lot of people do think EDM is like right off the top. That's what they, where they go to. Whereas yourself, you play a lot more of uh, uh, kind of French house sound, disco sound, and really upbeat. Getting into the scene when I did, I feel like, I don't know if it's just my, my memories, you know, being skewed uh, because of nostalgia or something, but I do remember everything being awesome. <laughs> And like every DJ play, like it was just, it was all house and tech house um, uh, that I would go to. And it was all music I loved. There's, I, I guess maybe not so much, you know, disco house. Nobody was playing quote unquote French house. Um, but I, I fell in love with, with all kinds of genre. Well, I fell in love with mostly what was being played. I, I shouldn't say that I fell in love with all kinds of genres. I actually became kind of a snob. Like I went right towards techno actually. Like I fell in love with disco house, disco French house stuff, and then went to raves, heard techno, minimal techno, Detroit techno, tech house. And I was like, this is insane. This is incredible. I, you could, you know, you could just trip out listening. Like you didn't even need to, you didn't need to take anything, which I, you know, I never did. Um, I just, you just trip out listening to music and hear all these crazy sounds. And it was just so, it was just so awesome back then. Um, so I actually started, I started buying techno records because there, there weren't a lot of great, um, well, I shouldn't say there weren't a lot of great house records. I don't think we had a good choice, uh, at the record shops we had in the city. We probably had one or two record stores at the time and, um all of all of the the current DJs that were playing all the local DJs at the time they'd get their pick of the records like they knew what day all the new stuff came into the store so they'd come in and they'd get their choice and they'd get to go through the bins and you know get everything first and then whatever was left afterwards us plebs got to come in and uh uh go through that so i don't know i guess I didn't find a lot of like that house that I was after, but I certainly fell in love with techno. And so something I actually don't DJ a lot of, you know, or don't play out or people don't know, but I started really as a techno DJ and then all that disco house became like a little bit bigger and more popular. And then I think I was buying records online from satellite records, um, some other places and 
yeah, then I started really building a collection. So I don't know. Did I, I don't know if I answered the question there. I went off topic. <laughs> oh no, that, that can answer the question perfectly. Um, like, I guess even though the scene was there for it, it was, it was more the, the techno, the techno that you were drawn to anyway, rather than the kind of music that you're playing now that maybe wasn't, uh, wasn't around as much. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, in a, in, a, in a sense, I think you've kind of went, well, com- in comparison to myself, at least you've kind of went the other way i kind of started with a lot of that kind of upbeat house french house kind of okay that kind of end and as i started diving deeper and deeper it's went into tech house yeah and into techno and then into like uh, side trance and hardcore and things like things that are a lot more heavier and a lot darker um and I mean, I guess for yourself, the the love of the the house sound and uh, those kind of records that you were looking for was always there. It was just maybe not as readily available at that time for you. But um, it seems to have grown to a certain degree. It has grown a bit. It is becoming more popular here. But back then, from my understanding with other people I've spoken to, a lot of it was kind of warehouse parties and mm-hmm. uh, illegal raves and things, which was more centered around that uh, techno and tech house. And with certainly with Detroit being right beside Canada, especially on the East Coast over there, like that influence was kind of leaking through into mm-hmm. the scene that was developing up here, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that... Uh... I don't know if ever everybody would agree agree with me on this, but like, I think the like we're the era in Detroit, right? Like Detroit technical kind of cap cap captured an era of what like that community was feeling at the time. Um, I don't, I wouldn't say like we were feeling it here, but I don't know. It just it felt appropriate Detroit techno, like that sound, that techno sound that was being made just somehow it was like the punk of our, our generation or something, right? Like it just, it captured the angst and, and the, the, the mystery and the, the wonder of, of, you know, technology and what was possible and what people were doing with robots and electronics. And it just, it just fit at the time. Yeah. And I think it kind of fit the, the feeling of the city as well with, uh, I, I know obviously Detroit is more an industrial city and mm-hmm. um, to a certain degree the music that was being made there it did fit all of that warehouse vibe and uh, the people were the scene there was a lot more underground and uh, the, just the things that were happening the people who were involved they, they all had that feeling anyway the music was just an expression of the kind of energy that was in the city at that time and I think that's what kind of made it so infectious to the, especially in that area, right? And mm-hmm. and once people were kind of going there and experiencing that, it it caught on and it started to spread. And you're even seeing it now with now that it's it's more prevalent over in Europe and uh, it's spread over there and is very popular over there. It's it's the same kind of cities over there that it's it's really blown up and you're seeing a lot of that that heavier sound the tech the pure techno sound is coming out of places like berlin where it's again very industrial and uh all of those kind of 
Eastern European places like uh, mm-hmm. the Ukraine and uh, Serbia and Poland and places like that, which again fall into this similar category. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's tough. Like I think even for a, a while here in the city, like I I was the only one playing quote unquote French house. And I think if you ask people's you know definition of what French house is, everyone's going to give you a different answer. But my interpretation of it, like hearing it kind of from the beginning as it was coming out of France and really everyone else replicating it. I know some like great producers like Patrick Alavi. He's from Germany. I don't know. He made some, some French house classics, but that sound was really a, like a techno interpretation of disco. Like you take disco and funk records and yeah, there was a lot of heavily, you know, heavy sampling, but you end up just making these repetitive hypnotic techno tracks. And I think, you know, coming into the scene, hearing techno, falling in love with that, and then understanding sort of like, oh, this is this is kind of like what they're doing. This this French house is like a spin on techno. Techno is so big. Um, and this idea of like really percussive, rhythmic, loop-based music, you know, but now you're you're infusing these old funk samples and you know, finding these right little these little like one, two, three, four bar riffs that you cut up and move around and suddenly the bass line's different and, and you know, all the elements are baked in there, but then, then you're putting effects on top of it and stuff. Anyways, that's, that's something I totally fell in love with. That never really picked up. I don't think a lot of other people could stomach French house until it like exploded again in the blog house era, right? Everybody was playing all of a sudden uh, they were, you know, French house classics or whatever, but, um, I certainly could recognize that like techno wasn't for everybody. My best friend, I could not get him shout out to Eric. Uh, I could not get him to appreciate minimal techno. He could not like Richie Houghton. Um, he could not like Marco Carolla. Like he would not listen to any of that. It gave him a headache, but he was super into the disco house with me and co-wrote a, couple tracks with me actually uh, back in the day uh but then you saw like i don't know i guess i saw the way i see it is that like that top 40 surge took over again and then all of a sudden we've got trance and we've got these like anthemic you know ballad type tracks with four on the floor beats and you know, kind of disco-y bass lines. And I didn't, I did not like trance. I, I couldn't, I didn't like trance. I didn't like dubstep. I give all those producers credit, you know, great job on some of those tracks, but I just keep coming back to techno and French house. Yeah. I think, uh, and I think like techno was prevalent there. And then exactly like you said, French house kind of built off of that uh, and the repetitive style and uh, the kind of hypnotic beats and things like that. And I think, uh, obviously, for a while there, it took a little while to get going. But once he really found his feet and people started hearing it more often, um, it probably gained so much traction because those uh, kind of funk songs and disco songs that people were so familiar with and loved so much, it 
it was recognizable to them mm-hmm. it was uh, it was something that they could they could understand and it was a lot more easily digestible uh, mm-hmm. easily digestible than some of the other kind of heavier stuff that was maybe somewhere more influenced with something like mm-hmm. when comparing to maybe rock genres it's something a little bit closer to like a metal style whereas the classic rock sound that everyone knows and loves is a little bit easier to to listen to and uh, isn't as kind of out in left field. Yeah, yeah. I know a lot of disco house, French house producers that love like heavy metal, like metal core stuff. That's weird. I, I, I couldn't get into that. But yeah, you had people in those like 2005 to 2000. I want to say like 13 or something, 2014 in that era, all of a sudden, like discovering these, these French house gems from 2001, two, three, four. And they're like, did you know that this is a sample from, you know, XYZ song? It's just cut up and this part's backwards. I'm like, Oh my God. See, I'm glad you're finally appreciating all the work that went into obscuring that sample. And you can, you can, you can get it. But yeah, I think that stuff was like over people's heads or they thought it just wasn't, wasn't good enough. I'm not sure. Yeah, well, even at that time when all those records were coming out as well, I mean, electronic music to a certain degree had been around, but it was, it wasn't as much in, quote unquote, uh, like the mainstream, and it wasn't, it wasn't finding its way to as many people as it probably does or did in that period you were talking about between two thousand five yeah. and two thousand thirteen. So when people were maybe hearing that music, they were just quick to dismiss it, obviously because they didn't really understand where it was coming from and the things that were being done and the the the, the clever things that these producers were doing to get that sound. And then, obviously, in that same period, you were saying between 2005 and 2013, you were seeing a lot of that trans stuff coming out and dubstep, and there were some people that were extremely successful with that, and... Mm-hmm. Uh, that kind of got a lot of people, it got their interest and they started exactly like we were talking about before, they started diving into electronic music and they found their path to the kind of genres that appealed to them most. And even myself, I was when I was younger, I was obviously exposed to uh, a lot of like UK garage stuff and uh, jungle and things like that. Um, and then when the and always heard dance music on the radio with the kind of the older generation that was that always had the big hits. Like obviously, Fatboy Slim was very mm-hmm. prevalent on the radio, and you were hearing a, a lot of people. And Calvin Harris is another one that was that I speak about a lot. And I heard some when I was younger. I, I did listen to a little bit of the kind of trance and dubstep stuff, but it, it never really sat with me. I just felt like it was a little bit too messy and all over the place. It wasn't as constructed and thought out and there there wasn't a the dubstep stuff it, yeah. it, it is like it's really clever production. I ha- I have a little short video on myself ranting about this, but like I do think those that genre when it broke out is very clever. It's it's like you know, it's impressive to listen to as a producer, but it just fatigues easily. There's no groove to it. Like that's what was missing for me. I need that 
you know, solid groove that just keeps you going. You could either dance all night or you can sit back and you can just cruise down the highway for, you know, 12 hours. Cause there's just this groove going and you lose yourself in it. But that dubstep stuff, it just, I feel like it fatigues easily. You just, you just get hyped and like, how long can you stay up that high? You know? Yeah. It's, it's very intense and, yeah, you you've hit the nail on the head there. It's it's hard to stay on that level of energy for so long. And I've even spoke with friends and things about it. And like being in some of these bigger productions and being in Europe and things and seeing these big techno DJs that play some very intense music and some very fast paced music and things like that. Although it is it does have that groove and it does have the repetitiveness. It's not necessarily dubstep you there's only so long you can do it for right like i've found myself even uh going to going to see someone play and doing like a two or three hour stretch and after two or three hours you're like dude i just need to go and sit down and take a breather and catch my breath a little bit and just step away from it and and then i'll get back into it and i'm again for another few hours whereas with the more house sound uh, even tech house to a certain degree it's a little bit easier because yeah although you do have the highs and lows it's not it's, it's more manageable when you are at those highs you're not burning yourself out it's almost like you control your highs and lows with the tech house stuff like you find all of a sudden this sound that gets introduced and you just you latch on and then your own energy increases while everyone else's maybe didn't, you know, they're just kind of grooving along and you're just all of a sudden into it, but then you, you can, you pace yourself, but with, yeah, some of this newer stuff or, you know, the dubstep, like it's, it's so overt. It's not like they just don't let anything breathe. They don't let people find their own, you know, groove. They don't let, there's something really big about like just allowing people to explore for themselves. Everything's so overt. This is the drop. This is the breakdown. This is the buildup. Now you have to dance. Obey me. It's like, ugh, I don't want to. I just, just let me chill out. We used to go to parties and it would be like, yeah, whatever. It started at t- 10 or I got there at 10. Right. And you don't leave till 6am and you want more. So then there would be an after party. And you were dancing the whole night. You didn't take a break. You know, you didn't take a break at all. You didn't like, there's no bar to go to. You didn't stop. And you weren't high. Like you weren't on anything. You just, it was just solid good times. I don't know. And that was, I guess, also like 16, 17 years old. So boundless energy. Energy to burn. Yeah. (laughs) And no, I know the feeling. I, I definitely know the feeling. Like I've been there myself on many a times where you go to you go to an event that's put on or you go to a party and by the end of it you're you're going okay where are we going next what's next yeah i need more and even if it's just something as simple as going back to someone's house who has got like a setup there and they're going to be playing records and it's just you and a few friends and things or a gaff as they would call it in scotland going back to a gaff and sitting and somebody's playing music and the the party just keeps going on like yeah it's there's a beauty to it because the music it doesn't wear you out as much and you don't and you are left wanting more whereas with some of the kind of more intense stuff it's so 
in your face and so almost feels forced upon mm-hmm. upon you that you it just wears on you so quick and you're just like yeah i, I could be doing with just taking a break and stepping away i i, I can't that might, i can't have that anymore that might be partially due to like the advent of technology right always brings good things and bad things to whatever art and um i don't know as much as a lot of djs don't want to admit like they're not planning sets you know some others are really embracing the fact that they can you know check all their tracks for um you know harmonics you know are they are they all in the same you know key signature do these like mix well and like what's gonna be my you know beginning track what's my what's the track i'm gonna end on like it's all it's just almost like overproduced there's just i'd like to see more people wing it just no don't look just grab a track try to mix it in and just go with it because i feel like that's what they did back then too you know that's what we all did like just had our box of records and we kind of knew which ones we loved and we knew which ones we just picked up yesterday and we really want to play those, even though we haven't even listened to the whole thing yet. We're just like, I know this producer. This is going to be awesome. I don't know. Every, it was just an exploration for everybody. But now there's just so much production going into these big shows and these festivals. Not necessarily a bad thing. It just takes away from certain aspects that I you know, quite enjoyed. And it's crazy to think as well, because that mindset seems to even be more prevalent in the younger DJs who are more up and coming and just getting into the, like DJing and playing these shows. Whereas the old like the, the kind of older heads and people who have been doing it for a while feel more comfortable just doing that, just winging it and going for it. And obviously yeah. there is a there is a, a difference in skill level there to a certain degree. But it's almost as if the the people who are just coming up is like, I can't make a mistake. I can't embarrass myself. I don't want it. Like they're putting so much pressure on themselves when they don't really need to because like you're not playing in front of like thousands and thousands of people or hundreds of thousands of people here. Like people don't expect you to be perfect right off the bat. Like when you're starting out and when you're, you're learning and you're still developing your sound, like nobody's gonna really be that surprised if you do make a mistake it's more about how you recover from it and how you just keep moving forward right it's true there's a bit of a joy in hearing a little mistake because then you know it's not like you know just totally artificial um but you know what i could go both ways on that topic because you know i always I, i learned to dj so that i could get familiar with the music so that I could produce. I didn't really want to be a big DJ. Like I didn't want to, I don't know. I, I mean, I even, I, I started like scratching. I did a lot of turntablism that no one's ever seen me do. That was before the techno. I only had one turntable. I bought one turntable. And so I put like cassettes on and learned to scratch over top of them before I even had battle records. So I had like a I had like a Hansel and Gretel record or something I found and it was like telling a story and I'd learned to scratch on that. Um, and like I learned to beat juggle on two turntables and I did work out a routine once and I, I did think about entering the DMC competition. 
aside from that, I didn't want to be like a superstar DJ traveling the world. Um, like with perfect mixing skills. I don't know. I, I wanted to produce music, but then once you get there and you make a few tracks, you spoil yourself and you're like, well, especially with Ableton, Ableton live came out, uh, the ability to basically produce live. And uh, again, there's that technology kind of ruining things because it totally ruined it for me. I was like, shit, I could do, I could, I could figure out a way to produce live. Um, Cause I'm going to admit, like, I'm not the greatest DJ. I, I, you know, I'll, I'll make mistakes beat matching. I really don't want to spend all the time beat matching um, when I could do other creative things. Um, so using Ableton to like take all the samples I had ever, you know, accumulated and, and layer split my own tracks apart into drums, bass, uh, pad, you know, lead, keys and then layer those on top of other tracks of my own and then work in uh, tracks from other people. So that mix I sent you was a live set, uh, how I used to play it um, when I moved away from DJing. It was a very you know complicated, I had controllers, Ableton, and I would trigger samples and that was a live set. Um, tons of my own tracks in there, uh, some tracks from all kinds of other producers, but you could probably hear that it's 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 layered and it's like i don't know i found that to be a lot of fun but at some point i also felt like i need to get back to my roots and just play with some turntables and just mix tracks and so you know i've been doing that lately digitally and with the vinyl but um yeah i don't know it's uh it's this weird thing where you're you're like you don't know where the where to live, which, well, I don't, I'm not going to speak for other people. I don't know which realm to live in. Like, do I want to overproduce things and, and make a big set? And, you know, I had dreams of putting together all these lighting rigs and just going absolutely insane. Kind of like what dead mouse is doing, like good work, but I don't know. Yeah. But there's a beauty in that as well, because you, it puts you in a se- in a separate category. You're not just a DJ. You're not just a producer. You're you're doing everything. Yeah, you're dipping your toe in everything. You're 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 a real artist. You're like you're able to do the stuff again on vinyl, on the CDJs. Uh, you're producing your own songs. You're producing live. You even said you're dipping into lighting and things like that a little bit. Whereas there a lot of people, they just don't want to step away from the one thing they do, and it just makes that so. To a, like some people have success with it, obviously, but to a certain degree, a lot of people they just get repetitive. Like you go, you go and see someone, and once you've saw it, you've heard it. Yeah. The next time you go, into, it's just the same. Like they've spent so much time developing one lane. And it's cool because they really do excel in that one lane and that's fine for a lot of people. But for someone like yourself, clearly that you you never want to be satisfied. You always want to be improving and trying something new and seeing where you can go with it, right? Well, you know, it's it's funny what you were just saying. I couldn't help but listen to it with a different set of lenses on. I can't, I couldn't help but think about 
you know, Dead Mouse versus Daft Punk. Did you ever get to see Daft Punk live when they did their when they did their crazy pyramid tour? Nope. I didn't, oh. unfortunately. I uh, am lucky enough that I did, and I met them after the show in Toronto, actually. But uh, that's a little shameless uh, self-congratulation. <laughs> no, I had to do it. I had to meet them. So I did. But <clears throat> so think about this, like Dead Mouse, right? He he does his own lighting. He does his, he does all the music. He does everything. Very impressive. But you could take you could take a random, you know, girl off the street, guy off the street, throw them at a dead mouse show. They'll either just think it's awesome and they'll think it's just like another concert they went to last weekend with lots of lighting rigs and cool shit or whatever, you know, EDM, they'll call it. Um, or they'll hate it. They'll be like, whatever, yeah, that was okay. Having no idea that he did all of that lighting, right? Yeah. Uh, and and des- design the stage, whatever. You and I know that, so we're impressed by that. Then on the other hand, you've got Daft Punk, right? And they didn't design their whole stage tour uh, or stage setup, but you know maybe they had a good hand in it. I don't know. Um, but there's lots of talented artists on that tour that that were part of that production that put all that together. A lot of technical artists. You know, it was a it was a team effort. And again, same same result. You know, you go to the show, you think it's either the greatest thing you've ever seen, which it was. Or you think, oh, yeah, it was okay. Show is just another, you know, some EDM. So it doesn't matter. I don't know. It's like, which world do you want to live in? Like, you either have this neurosis that you want to create things and play with new technology and you want to screw around with lighting. And, you know, right now I'm just getting into virtual production with uh, LED walls, green screen technology, and uh, the new kind of the new way of filmmaking because it's just another thing I want to get into and do. Um, or you just do, you do stay in your one lane. Take like, uh, let's say Carl Cox. You just do one thing. He's a great DJ, right? Phenomenal. He's not known for his lighting. He's not known for his, you name it. He's just a fucking great DJ. And he does. He just sticks to that one thing. But does that get old? No. 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 And, and you go see Carl Cox two nights in a row. It's not going to be the same set. You know, you go see Dead Mouse two nights in a row. It's going to be the same set. You go see Daft Punk two nights in a row. Going to see the same set. So what is, what's it going to be? I don't know. It's like, that's why I want to get back to DJing a little bit and find and embrace this uh, improvisation that, that, that once was in my life so much. I guess that to a certain degree that comes from within as well, that decision of which way you want to go. Cause for some people, they, they maybe just understand, like for someone like Carl Cox, Carl Cox, he's not a DJ to put on these, massive productions he's not a dj to get all this attention i mean he was doing this he's been doing this for what 30 years yeah give or take now and the guy's just in it because he absolutely loves music yeah all kinds of music and you see and you it reflects it when you see like his vinyl collection you're like holy shit dude it takes up like half of his house i'm sure like that passion for music is what's brought him success. He doesn't need any of that extra stuff. He just know every single time you go and see him, he's going to come with something different. He's going to come with something creative. He's going to find the right track for that exact time. And he can do it over and over and over again, just purely through the music. Whereas for some people, 
when they're doing the same thing over and over again, when they're do when they're only looking for music and playing shows, and it, they just it gets tiring on them. It wears on them. They maybe don't have the same. They still love music, but they maybe don't have the same level of passion for it as someone like Carl Cox does. And then you got to step away and go, okay, what else can I challenge myself with? Like I've already done this. I need something new to change it up. And then, yeah, again, like yourself, like you're saying now, you're then going back to it now that you've you've achieved these other things, these other goals that you kind of wanted to learn and wanted to to do for yourself. There's always the option to going back for it, and and then once you do go back to, uh, like you were saying, you were aiming to go back to the kind of more winging it and creative and improv uh, improvisation style. <sighs> it's going to be exciting again for you. Yeah, well, and to give you some context, I think you already know this, but you know, to give the listeners uh, some context as well. Uh, so on that journey of learning music, you know, learn to DJ then learn to produce on an old computer and then, uh, you know, graduated with all the new technology, Ableton, whatever, and then was able to do cool stuff on, on stage that crossed the line between DJing and, and live PA, live production, a lot of samples in the computer, controllers on stage. But what that also, what that also gave birth to was a second project uh, called Get Famous, which I started with um, a very good friend of mine who is a very talented singer and guitarist. And he just, uh, he just riff on my tracks. And uh, like the first day I met him, the first five minutes, that's what he did. He was like, oh, you made that track? Cool. And he's just riffing. And I was like, my goodness. And I think at the time Cassius's uh, second album came out and it was like, their Pink Floyd album almost. Do you remember? I don't know if you've ever heard that album. Oh, Oh Rev. I don't know how to pronounce that. I should. Um, and then it was, it had so much guitar on it. And I was just like, fuck, I want to make this music. This is what I want to do. It's French house, but with live elements and singing. Um, so anyways, long story short, working with Aaron, um, I went from being a guy who like, heard a, a disco house track to wanting to make music and then working with a live musician and then working up to the point where I could perform live on stage playing instruments. Now I took piano a few times growing up. I think like there was probably a music bug in me somewhere. It's in the family with a few people, but I had quit every time I took piano and like, you know, it just wasn't what I wanted to do. I wanted to play drums. Like nobody would buy me drums. So, um, so I don't know for me personally, it was like an achievement to go from essentially audio engineer to musician on stage, having the confidence to play, I would play like a guitar and I would also have my controllers and triggering stuff in Ableton. So I'd be playing bass and then it would be programmed to change. And all of a sudden I'd be playing, you know, it would go from bass guitar and then I'd be playing keys and then I'd be playing lead. So I don't know, having the confidence to play live on stage like that with other musicians and like learning how to get in the groove with other musicians and freestyle, like that's something else entirely. Right. Yeah. And, um, but it also hit a brick wall for me personally. I was like, 
there's too many technical issues in this. Constantly controllers would die. MIDI wouldn't work. Like forgot a hard drive at home once. It's like, you know, needed to go get it. And like the setup, the teardown. And once you turn yourself into a band, when you're used to DJing, when you're used to showing up with like, even a thumb drive. Some people can show up to shows with a thumbstick and be like, yeah, I'm playing a gig tonight. But here we are like bringing in flight cases full of gear, computers, controllers. And then it all like has to be troubleshooted uh, 30 seconds before a show. It just got to a point where I was like, I don't think I can do, <laughs> I don't think I can do this anymore. Like I'm either quitting music or I'm I I just got DJ again. I just got to throw records together and I'm going to live stream them so that it forces me to do it. So I've been doing that. Anyways, long story. Yeah. No, you're quite right. Um I think uh as impressive as it is and you're seeing a lot of people having success with it. A lot of people don't even they they admire the obviously the creativity level is is way up there but to a certain degree it comes with its fair share of uh, added pressure and added stress and things that could go wrong and just extra stuff that when you're doing over and over and over, like if you're doing it once, then it's bad enough. But if you're doing it over and over and over again, it starts to wear on you and it starts yeah. to, and going back to what we were just talking about as well with Carl Cox, with the love of the music and the love of doing this and performing it starts to kind of take that away to a certain yeah. degree where you're just so fed up and so tired of having to deal with all this extra stuff that wasn't present before that you just need to kind of take all of that out of the equation and remind yourself why it was or what it was you started with in the first place and try and keep things simple and yeah and make it easy for yourself so you can enjoy it rather than constantly having to worry about what's going to go wrong next yeah exactly well put that's that's where i'm at anyways i don't know where other people are at you've done a few of these shows and i apologize i i haven't heard them uh, i don't know if they're up yet um i apologize busy that's guy right. but you've had some chats and i'm eager to listen to them like are you asking kind of the same questions and are people giving you the same answers like you're taking uh, the temperature of people of the culture right now. I, I'm interested to hear. Um, to a certain degree, just talking to people about their own personal experiences. That's kind of the aim for this whole series and the whole reason why I'm doing this is just to speak to the people that are actually involved and speak about their point of view and their journey uh, within music and what it is that's brought them to today. So the, in prior episodes, I've obviously had, the, on the first episode, I had Nathan, who's also out of Winnipeg, who you've known for a long yep. time. And yep. uh, a lot of the talk that we had was more about uh, the kind of promotion and event side of things. And uh, along with, obviously, himself as and the music that he plays. Yeah. And uh, I also had Immigrant Muscle from Toronto who are more purely DJs and they are very much into vinyl and they're not, 
they don't really take themselves too seriously. They're pretty easy going laid back and just want to have a lot of fun. And and they are a lot of fun. I mean, those guys are great. So like talking to them about kind of some of the crazy stuff that they've done and they've been involved with, that was also pretty cool. And then uh, the episode before this one was one of my friends from Scotland who they're doing a, a kind of similar thing to me out there. But their their kind of whole production is more based around like, uh, have you saw like the circle videos that are made and all the crazy locations like people playing at the pyramids and there's one on a hot air balloon and things like that. So they yeah. do a lot of things where they're kind of they're combining uh, they're combining like iconic locations across Scotland and tourism with the kind of talented artists that are on the come up and who are just kind of on the verge of breaking through and they're working with those kind of guys so that was something else it was cool whereas with this obviously yourself is a, a very creative person and you've got a lot of different aspects to the things that you've been doing within this is something that's probably a lot deeper well, thank you a lot of the other ones have been so that's kind of why i've been i've been chasing you around to get you on this show because I know I've, like I said, I've been following you on Instagram and been listening to some of the stuff you've done. And I know, and I've just even from looking at, uh, like your Instagram page and the SoundCloud and the songs that you make and the music that you make, and you just seem to seem to be very creative and very well, interesting for a lot of people. So, yeah, it's <clears throat> I don't know. I um, it's funny too, like because I. I love this, you know, disco house genre so much, French house. But the tracks I end up making for the most part for the most part aren't that, you know, they're they're a little bit they're hard to DJ, that's for sure. That's the number one complaint everyone's always told me cuz I never wanted to make them for people to DJ. I didn't want to give them a 32 bar, you know, just percussive intro. They were a little bit more like the French house tracks were there four and a half minutes. They started awkwardly. You didn't know if that was the first snare or the first or the second snare. And it's like, why isn't there a down, like a kick drum as the downbeat? Like they're incredibly hard to mix. And I thought, okay, that's how they're doing it. And I never went that far, but I, I certainly made tracks that were very hard to mix. Um, Cause I always wanted to listen to them more, but um, I, I don't know. Uh, I haven't made music in a while. I have hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of tracks that I haven't finished. And if you've seen some of the stuff I've been doing lately with like live streams, I've been participating in um, this national raid train. Shout out to the Disco National crew uh, for putting that that together. That's been a lot of fun. And that's like holding my feet to the flames to... DJ because like left to my own devices I just I'm I'm slipping from music um so they like you know they put this thing on every every couple of weeks and then there's a DJ across Canada that starts um you know consecutively we're we're doing a raid train on Twitch um right across Canada DJ in every city it's it's very cool it's forcing me to DJ and then I don't know if you've you've also seen but I've done like a number of uh, chats essentially with other musicians. Um, they're on my YouTube channel, and I think they're on some of them are on the U 
my YouTube channel. Some of them are on Facebook. Um, basically, I'm doing chats like this in this setup with musician friends I know. Some of them are DJs. Some of them are um, singers, you know, various musicians. I plan to have on some other uh, producers. Um, just chatting about like, <laughs> it seems like everybody I know is in a slump as well. I don't know if it's like the last year that happened or politics or something else, but people are like, everyone's reeling to find their, their energy again, I guess. Or maybe it's just part of like getting older and slipping out of the scene. I'm not sure. But for me personally, I could say like, I'm having a hell of a hard time trying to hang on to the motivation uh, to do music because it has, it is and always has been such an intense, laborious effort. Even though you love the music, you love doing it. It's like you're doing it. It's like heroin. Like, you know, it's bad for you because there's a supply and demand issue. There's so many producers, so many DJs, like the chances of succeeding out there are not, they're nothing. And it's like, you could put your all into this. You could be Carl Cox. You could just be DJing 24 hours a day, seven days a week. I think that's what he does. He doesn't sleep. Yeah. And DJing or producing or creating lighting setups, you could be doing crazier shit than dead mouse, whatever. It's like, there's a good chance. No one will care. No one will see it. No one will, we're just saturated with, with Instagram models, like, you know, yoga pants up a butt crack will get more eyeballs than the six months it took you to put together your, your cool stage event that you're like rigged up in your basement during COVID to show off to the world. And you're like, this is going to do it, man. Everyone's going to be so impressed. Nope. Because there was a new color of yoga pant that blew up and you could see, camel toe and uh <laughs> yeah that's more popular yeah no that's like it. i think everybody's finding that right now and sorry ladies <laughs> in the last year or so everyone has been like everyone's i think when i was speaking to immigrant muscle they kind of put it best everybody's been reduced to being a bed a bedroom dj to a certain yeah. degree now everyone's back in the same level playing field but I think that's wearing on people yeah. due to pe the people who are putting in, I know a lot of people who are involved in music and are musicians who have just started producing throughout the COVID and everything and they're putting all their time into it and they're sitting at a computer and you don't have the opportunity to showcase it as much now because because everyone's doing it right everyone's exactly. bought a controller everyone's got speakers they're going on twitch they're going on facebook live streams they're going on instagram live and it's it's everywhere to the point where people are just like yeah yeah we know it's there like yeah it's, it's, there's so much of it like what it's harder to find the quality ones and on top of that it takes away from the community as well. And right. I know, especially for myself, that was one of the major things totally. that I loved about dance music was the fact totally. that you can go out and you can, this is even from a, from like someone who's attending shows standpoint, like 
you can go out and you can be on a dance floor and you can meet someone who's you've never met before who's from another yeah. country who and it's like you can get on and you can have Fleur. a great you dance and you meet Fleur. whereas what you ever hear that phrase sorry the term the acronym plur p-l-u-r that no. was the thing when we were raving. Plur, man. Peace, love, unity, respect. Plur. That was the acronym for the yeah. cult for the scene. We have no unity now. There's no culture. It's just no. people watching DJs. Yeah, it's gone. And sorry to cut you off. No, 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 no. That's fine. And you're spot on with that. That is the whole, and it always has been the foundations that this whole thing was built on. Going back to when it was when electronic music was really coming about, it was a lot of, uh, uh, I guess, minorities to a certain degree, where you were seeing a lot of the. It stemmed from like LGBTQ community and totally, uh, and other aspects like that, and that was a lot of the reason why I wanted to do this podcast and this series because. In Canada, oh, although man. there is things happening, everyone seems to be suppressed. So selfish. It and was suppressed, yeah. Yeah, like everyone only Can cares about what they're doing. Can we touch on that for a second? Well, yeah, I mean, there's there's that angle, but let me offer an alternate point of view, my own personal, and you know, maybe people won't agree with this, but at the same time that I discovered all that music, <clears throat> Wait, and when did you come to Canada? I've been here seven years in August, so 2014. So I, I would think that you missed the majority of this, but you're out in uh, you're out in Saskatchewan, which is a very similar experience to Winnipeg here. Um, so there was a fairly like homophobic element to to dance music, right? Like, I guess it probably ha- would have started way before my time. It probably carried with disco. Um, you know, disco had its, 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 you know, negative connotations among the rock mu- musician heads or whatever. I don't know. I know that when I was in high school and I discovered all this music, I was totally called. What platform are you putting this on? I don't know what words I can or cannot say here. I don't want you to be like, Say whatever. I'm not making any money off of this anyway. So all right. So I was I was like called a fag all the time for listening to house music, like constantly. Got in fights, you know, people wanted to beat me up all the time. Fag for having yellow hair and big pants and all of that. But that lasted a really, really long time until I think you had like trance on mainstream airwaves which wasn't even at like trance's you know height i don't know i don't know what year that would have been but you could really feel that release um you know the lgbt community made great strides and there's more you know more acceptance came um and that broke probably like i don't know 2010 i want to say or something like you could feel the pressure uh relieve um and it was acceptable to listen to dance music or EDM. But like before that, I tell you, here in Winnipeg, you would risk a beatdown if they heard you listening to electronic music. Like I swear. So I don't know. It's like that did not help in 
exposing people to electronic music because you know it's social pressure it's like you you're either going to be called a fag or beaten down or you know you might as well just stay clear away and keep listening to your you know nickelback or acdc or something <laughs> nothing wrong with acdc i didn't say nothing wrong with nickelback but nothing wrong with acdc and uh, rock music i like a lot of that 70s rock um 70s 80s rock anyways that was a huge component i feel maybe people don't agree but in winnipeg in canada man like maybe 2010 did i say 2010 i think 2010 is probably giving it too much uh you know being too generous i think maybe it's only lifted in the last like five years or something like not even like it's i i've recently encountered guy guys and guys and girls that I know for a fact would have been totally snub nosing uh, uh, electronic music and, and thinking it's for, you know, it's for the gays or something, yeah. uh, but they're into it now. So I know like a lot of work has been done there. So I think, I think that was a big component. Yeah. It's my, my perspective. No, it has, it has developed in the recent years where more people are becoming more accepting to it. But to a certain degree, it is still there within North America as a whole, not even just in Canada. Like, it's, it's, it's present across North America. And I'm not saying that's everyone and everywhere, but when you compare it to Europe, it's a lot less accepted to here as yeah. to what it is over there. Yeah. People over in Europe, from personal experience, they don't really give a shit. As long as you're, as long as you're cool with them and everyone's sound and you have a laugh and this and that, like they're they're pretty inclusive and easygoing and understanding and everything else. Whereas here, there's there's just a lot of there's a lot of people who are so full of themselves and self-centered to the point where they want to call names and point fingers just because you're not the exact same as the idea that they have in their head mm -hmm. as to what people should be. People are afraid of what they don't understand. Right. Yeah. They're afraid of change. They're afraid of difference. Call it them being full of themselves if you want, but I've always sort of viewed it as just they were, they weren't, they weren't full enough of themselves to allow themselves to explore. Yeah. They're very weak minded, very, I don't want to, I think like, I want to say conservative, but I don't want to say it in a political sense, you know, like not labeling people, but, but they're very just conservative with what they would allow themselves to explore. There wasn't a great sense of wanting to discover new things. Like I don't know. I don't know how to put that into words better, but certainly like a, you know, I'm going to hold on to what's safe, what I understand and anything that's different is scary and it needs to be stomped out yeah. for the fact that it is. <laughs> and to a certain degree, these same people who have this ideology, who are so fast to write it off, who are not, 
comfortable in themselves enough to even give it a go, they generally find that when they give it a go, they're the yeah. ones who fall in love with it. They're the ones totally. who all over it. Well, it's like, yeah, a bunch of suppressed sort of obedience and control. And it's like, they're the ones now suppressing themselves. And then finally, when that dam breaks and they allow themselves to experience it, it's like, oh man, look out. That is the new ambassador. Yeah. Yeah. And I think you're finding a lot of places are, are now, now that people are becoming a lot more inclusive and a lot more open-minded in the sense where you're seeing, I guess, by social media highlighting a lot of these issues and things like that, um, you're starting to see it become a little bit more mainstream over here and developed, although the events that are being put on and are being allowed to be put on are almost over the top and limited. I mean, especially in Saskatchewan, you don't see many places that are allowing a full-on electronic music event and things like that. And the places that are putting them on, um, they're putting them on just not because they are supporting, but it's because they... Uh, what's the words I'm looking for here? They're putting they it on just to, money. Yeah, exactly. To make the money and to make it look like they're supporting. And that's not everyone. I'm not saying that every because out here there are a few uh there are a few people who are putting on great events and who have the right thing at heart and love the music and everything else. And there's lots of there's lots of good uh, artists coming out of here who love house music, disco, uh techno, all these other things. But there's a few of them that are like, okay, so we're going to put this event on and you guys are going to play just because they want the money because they don't want anyone else to have it. They're seeing the success it's having and they're just chasing the money and it, it takes away from the atmosphere that's supposed to be around these events when people care about money too much. Absolutely. You just you nailed it. I mean, as I get older... A sort of, a sort of <laughs> I'm drifting I'm drifting away from my super anarcho communist ideologies but like you know there's something to when it was all free there really is something to when it was all just because we wanted to do it as soon as you introduce that heart you know like it's just for money I don't want to say I don't want to sound like one of these that says as soon as capitalism got involved, it went to hell. I mean, I run a business now and I employ people. So I embrace capitalism. So you want to hate me for that? Go right ahead. But I think that, yeah, the shows just became money grabs. And back when everything kind of was that like hippie commune vibe and everybody was just like, Hey man, free back rubs. That, those were the days. Like the parties were better, and everybody just joined in to have a good time. You didn't show up to expect a good show. And mm, I paid fifty dollars for this. And look at this lighting rig. It's not even that good, and the sound wasn't that good. I'm going on Instagram and saying this was shit. Like I don't know. There's something back there. Yeah, no, you're not. You're not wrong. Like. Those were the days, and I guess 
I guess uh, you're always going to look back on those days and and they were amazing times and you're kind of going to have a little bit of rose-tinted glasses, but they really were the days and that's that was the whole thing it was built on and that's the way it should be and that's what made it so great. And you're even seeing now, like, if you look at one of the, the staples of dance music in Ibiza, right, now they've got all these crazy clubs, world's biggest club and we're going to, it's going to be 70 euros to get in here. If you want a drink, you're going to be paying 40 euros for a drink, 20 euros for a bottle of water. Like, Awesome. Look, Sounds like I, a great time. I get it. I get it. People like money. <laughs> I like money. Everyone yeah, likes money. Sure. But at the same time, you still got to have that the respect for where it came from. And you've got to find the balance in it. And a lot of the people who are stripping things back and putting on a good show, they're few and far between these days and they're, they're hard to find. But I mean, the, everything's become modernized, but the people who are putting on those shows, wherever you may find them, they're for the purists. The people who really know and really love the music and really know, understand the roots and where it came from are the people who are going to, actually appreciate the little things and mm -hmm. just the kind of freedom to express themselves and get involved on one hand those you know a club like that i don't actually don't i don't know too much about that club but like on one hand places like that so so again i i my business is in the field of marketing so i always look at everything through the lenses of marketing but like on one hand a place like that would be appealing to people of you know, my generation that did grow up and had this affinity for the scene, uh, much like when I was like 18, there was a club in the city um, that had a, a 25 plus room. So you had to be 25 years old to get into it. And then you'd have like whiskey and smoke cigars in there and stuff. And some f fantastic promoters and DJs that I was really good friends with threw an event in there. Um in the whole club. So you could party your ass off in the main room and then go into the, into the 25 plus room. You know, I think a club like that's really expensive has that velvet rope that like, you don't expect a lot of, you know, teenagers or 21 year olds are going to puke all over themselves. It's just that filter, that funnel that'll keep them out. So maybe there are people that are a little bit older that are super nostalgic and passionate about the industry or the scene and they want to go and, and they see a place like that and they're like, perfect, way too expensive for the trash to get in, right? They might think something like that. On the other hand, I think there is a lot of disposable income in the youth generations and, and it's precisely that, that, that group that might be ruining it for everyone else. Uh, you know, like people that would go to fire, uh, the fire festival. <laughs> And that comes hand in hand with social media as well, right? Because, I mean, see, when you go to these places, like myself, I've I've been a couple of times and like with friends that I go with, like they love the music. They're there for a good time to enjoy themselves, to understand why that place is so iconic and where it's came from. And you see some people and it's like, they're there. They don't have a clue who's playing. They're right. there just to take pictures and post on Instagram. Right. To wear all their most the most expensive designer clothes they can find and look who I met, celebrities and this and, and it's like it just takes away from the experience. 
and it turns a lot of people off. And I think what you're seeing relating this back to what's going on here, especially in Saskatchewan, there's there is so many there's not enough clubs that are putting on something authentic now where the youth are kind of taking over all of these clubs and you don't see like when you go over there and you go to the places like for like Pikes, for example, which is a very iconic place, is a very hard place to get into and it's very small and it's stuck to its guns. And most of the people who go there are there for the music and it's always been the same since it started back in the eighties. There's nothing for the kind of older demographic where people who appreciate this music can go out and they don't have to deal with all the, the Instagram models and the people who are just out there to get blackout drunk and throw up all over themselves and just cause problems and everything. Like there's, there's not enough of that here. Yeah. I don't think there ever will be like on one hand, I want to say you're right. And yeah, you know, someone's got to do something about it and the world needs to change, but I don't know. I, I've seen my fair share of like 21 plus 25 plus clubs come and go. I just, I don't, I don't think that's a market that ever really gets that needs to be catered to. I think people just get too old. They fall right out of the scene, you know, like yeah. I, I think I'm rare where I would love to go to a club tonight and puke all over someone and watch them puke all over me. Uh, I don't know if I can shake that. I'm, I'm, I'm getting in my late thirties here, but man, I, <laughs> I still find enjoyment in having a rough night. Um, and my girl, my fiance does not appreciate that. And so, you know, I'm going to have to start settling down and all that crap, but <laughs> I love myself a good time and I don't need no 25 plus bar. I want to go to the, where it's cool until they say, Hey man, Hey dad, you're too old. Get the fuck out of here. You're never too old. You're never too old. If, like see for a lot of people, a lot of people take life too seriously. Right. And even people at my age, I'm 23. Right. And I know a few people who it's like, I'm settling down. I'm going to have, I need to buy a house. I need to do this. I need, I need to be financially stable. I need to get a good job. And it's like, yeah, but see if you get a good job and you're financially stable and you don't go out and you're you you don't have a good time, then you're just gonna be miserable all the time. Yeah. You're, you're like you're not gonna enjoy like you go and you work this job that you tell yourself that you've always wanted and you don't work it for any good reason. You literally work this job just to make money and don't enjoy it. What is well, the point in that? You're just wasting your life away. Like the way I look at it is every single person has a set amount of time on this earth. You can't change that. You don't know how long that's going to be. And at the end of it, when you when you're laying there like fiance, wife, kids, um, whatever it's going to be, family, and don't get me wrong, I love my family and I love all my friends and everyone around me. But when when you're taking your last breath, the only person that you've got to speak to is the voice in your head. And you've got to ask yourself the question and the time that I was here, was I happy? And did I do the things that I wanted to do? Did I accomplish the things I wanted to accomplish? And did I get everything done 
and have a smile on my face while doing it? And for a lot of people, sadly, the answer to that question is going to be no. So for me, like, I, I think I'm about the same as you in terms of like, although I'm going to grow up and I'm going to get older, I'm always going to have that kid in me that's always that's just going to want to have fun and and keep and just keep it alive in me, that fire, like, where what is the point in doing this if you don't enjoy it? And that's in absolutely everything in life that you do. I suspect that having children changes all of that, right? Like you and I sitting here right now saying these things, I'm, you know, let's have another chat two years from now and maybe I might have some offspring and I will be the dadliest dad you've ever met. And I'll think that, you know, nine o'clock is bedtime and all these hooligans drinking all night long. I have no idea what what they're doing to themselves or something like that. I, I suspect that. I just, I think that once you have offspring, it like kind of changes things. Um, but you're right. Like, I think that way, you know, I think... <sighs> Well, I'm type one diabetic too. And uh, there are challenges to go along with that. Um, but I, and I don't want to be morbid. I don't want to, I don't want to, this come across the wrong way, but like, I don't know that I'll have as much time as everyone else will get, you know? And so I wonder what, you know, my lifespan will be. If I take good care of myself, maybe it'll be fine, but there have been some complications already. So, I don't know. And I don't want to just party my ass off my whole life. I want to have fun. And I want to, like you said, when that final moment comes, I want to be able to answer that question and be like, yeah, I had, I had fun. I did all the things I wanted to do. And those things change, right? Those things could be like, I, I, I got married. I had kids and, you know, I bought a house, I bought a nice big house and put money away for kids and my, you know, for college. And I, paid for children in some foreign country i don't know unicef funds i don't know i guess everyone's different but let's be honest here we're talking about party culture right a rave scene so yeah we want to party till we're till we're too old yeah it's about that's it like everyone <laughs> is different and everyone has different times where that expires and that becomes old to them and yeah yeah each each to their own but if these are the things that it is that you want to do and you're restricting yourself from doing them just because you make excuses that you can't, then you're you're just lying to yourself, right? And like yeah. And I'm and I obviously, like you said, when you have kids, things change and life is always evolving and things are always uh they're always changing and the things that are most important to you will be different as the years go on. But I even look at someone like my own grandmother. My own grandmother will be in her 70s now and she still gets together with her friends. They get on a bus and they go and drive up to the, the highlands in Scotland and if you go and sit in her house the night before, she's got like a collection of the little miniature bottles which she keeps and she fills them all with vodka. Just spikes her drinks out and like she's in her 70s and she's still loving it. Like... And it's not like she's going out and going to a rave and partying and whatever else, but she enjoys, like, she still finds the time to enjoy herself. Like, she doesn't 
stress about all these extra things and feel like she has to do things just because of her age she's not age restricted she just has fun and has a smile on her face all the time and I think that's what a lot of people don't understand is it doesn't necessarily have to be within one set realm but as long as you're happy with what you're doing man like nobody can tell you any different like there's no age restrictions there's no color restrictions there's no sexuality just fucking enjoy your life have fun every day that should be a shirt let's make a shirt just have have fun every day at least once a day just have some fun that could be selfish fun should it be have selfish fun every day i don't know no just have fun every day. Just make sure even the most grueling, shitty days when you're working selflessly for someone else, for some other reason, just just take 15 minutes and just have fun for yourself. Maybe it's drinking. Maybe it's not drinking. Maybe you just love a good old-fashioned game of checkers. Maybe not. <laughs> we like to party. Let's be real. Let's keep it in keep it in the genre here. Yeah, we do like to party and and I mean like it's just it, it doesn't happen enough in Saskatchewan. It doesn't oh, happen God. enough. In the I prairies. feel so bad for you. It doesn't have an, happen enough in the prairies. And no. I, I'm hoping to make a little bit of a change to that. And I'm hoping that uh that by doing this we can put a little bit of light and provide a little platform for for the people who are really doing it and really believing in this kind of thing and doing great things to stand on and get more people involved that's always the goal is to get as many people involved in this as you can uh change perceptions and and keep moving forward and i think I've kind of chased you coming on this podcast because you a bit like myself understand that um, and obviously reflects in the music that you play and the sets that you play. They're all so much fun and they're so infectious that you just can't help but get on the dance floor and move your feet. So yeah, I think that was one of the major, major things that I wanted to highlight here with this episode. Uh Obviously all of the different aspects that you touch on here and, uh, that you're involved with and creatively and as a businessman but yeah just you kind of embodied everything that is within dance music as Stop. well as any as well as anyone else in the prairie or in the prairies All does. Right. so i mean well i appreciate that but yeah i mean i think you're doing exceptional work with this too i uh I commend you, my friend. I think I think your passion is. Uh, I, I think it's legit. I think what you're doing is noble. You've passed the test. Welcome to the Prairie Dance Music Crew of non-existence. Well, the only <laughs> wow. way is up from here. The only way is up from here. We'll, we'll just keep exactly better. So, um, no, I appreciate you you joining us for this week, and uh, thanks for having me. And again, if good chat. If, if you haven't checked out the mix yet, please go and do that because it's absolutely phenomenal. I've been listening to it. I got it a little bit early. I've I've had it on repeat here. Um, nice. But now, thank you for coming on and speaking to us and giving us your perspective. And hopefully, in the future, we're I have the whole 
studio set up here so we're going to be doing some yep. in-person stuff and when all this craziness gets lifted we'll hopefully get you into regina and we'll anytime we'll put some shows on and we'll get you in the studio and can talk in person but um anytime really my friend you taking this time and sitting down and speaking to me john because yep um you you've been doing this a long time and you you've seen a lot so someone like me who's pretty new to the praise and new to canada it's cool to get the perspective of someone who's really seen everything develop up to this point right i've also been living in a bit of a bubble just doing my own thing so i think you're going to encounter a lot of awesome people in this journey with this podcast there's so many talented people interesting people promoters djs producers all across the prairies and you know just coast to coast so um yeah, this is exciting. So, cheers to you. I'm out of I'm out of beers, but yeah, here's so, my here's so my cheers. Bad. Cheers. I think it's bad luck to cheers an empty can, right? I don't um, have to go and get something. Yeah, here. but yeah, thanks for having me. Um, anytime, I'll come back anytime. Yeah, thank you. And uh, just a last thing, if you wanted to kind of let everyone know where they can find you and the work that you're doing uh, on uh, Instagram, SoundCloud, Twitch, all of that. Yeah, no, probably not. See, I live my life in a very obscure universe. Um, nobody knows where to find my stuff. And uh, I like it that way. No, it's, uh, holy God, this is like a topic in and of itself. You can try, you can attempt to search for me on Google. And you can look for JNL. And that will probably turn up zero results. So you could look for JNL Cinema Funk which is like an extension I've had to add to the name just to differentiate and be found on platforms, a horrible like SEO attempt. Um, look, YouTube, you can go on YouTube channel, cinema funk, Twitch. I'm on Twitch. What is it? I don't know. It's like, it's either JNL underscore cinema funk or JNL dot cinema funk Instagram JNL dot FM. You can go to my website, which is www.jnl.fm, like the radio FM. Well, there you go, folks. If you're uh, <laughs> if you're looking for something to do to keep your keep you it's, occupied, it's keep like you a busy, treasure hunt. In quarantine, you can you can try and find JNL and all the amazing stuff he's doing. But Watch again, for me in the upcoming uh, Marvel movie that's coming out. I'm not in it, but you can still watch for me. <laughs> there you go so thank you to everyone for tuning in this week uh and the continued support that you're showing me um it's been my absolute pleasure doing these week in week out for you and uh seeing all the support that everybody's all the nice messages everybody sent me um if you haven't already check out john's mix was posted on friday and check out all the other mixes and episodes that we've had posted in uh, weeks gone by here and Again, next week we'll be back with another great episode. Uh, thank you everyone for tuning in and God bless.